Welcome to Unfiltered Studios, your one-stop destination for a diverse range of podcasts that cater to every interest. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores the fascinating times of the 80s and 90s. Find solace in the advice of a mother on Petals of Support. Dive deep into intriguing interviews on The Sleevy G Show. Catch up with the latest in sports on Unfiltered Sports Weekly. Connect with your spiritual side on Finding Your Way. Achieve mental wellness with hypno-wellness. Never forget the history of everyday items with The Stupid History Minute. Understand how we've become the people we are today on How to Be Less of an Asshole and gather with fellow movie enthusiasts on Movie Lovers Unite. Your journey into the world of podcasts begins here at Unfiltered Studios. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every voice finds its place. Visit unfpod.com for more information. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. I have a very special guest with me. It's Cody from It Is What It Is podcast. He's with me today. I'm excited to have him back here with me. It's been a while, but it's been, but you know what though? I had to get him back for the right show. Matter of fact, I actually did our favorite uh, Eddie Murphy movies on his channel. So, you know, we had a blast doing it. So I figured what better way to do this with a holiday movie as Trading Places. So let's go on ahead. Let's do this scene by scene. I'm happy to have him back over here. But further ado, let's welcome. It is what it is podcast because it is what it is, and we are gonna go on ahead and get this party started. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up, John? How are you? It's going good. That's it's going good. Staying busy this holiday season. You know, you know how it is. No, I get it, man. I appreciate. Look, anytime I get to be on the show, I will do my hardest. This is one of the coolest podcasts on it. I think one of the most entertaining yet skilled. Right, um, and when it comes to media review, I put this channel, this podcast above anybody out there. So Thank I'm happy you. to be on with you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, just to let everybody know, we are going to be doing this scene by scene. But before we get into that, I just want to mention that we are part of Unfiltered Studios. Unfiltered Studios has things like pedals, uh, pedals of support. You also have the Sleepy G Show. You also have the Dumb History uh, Minute. As a matter of fact, you know what? He actually did a little small segment for Trading Places on his podcast. It is actually called the Stupid History Minute. So go on and check out his show. It's only a minute long. It's perfect just for a minute. Uh, and then, of course, you also have uh, a lot of other podcasts that are part of the Unfiltered Studio. So I'm excited to be part of that little family that we have over there. So with that being all taken care of, man, uh, I just want to say this. What are you doing with your podcast right now before we get into this? Look, everybody knows, man, look, the CVMK show, it is what it is. You know, we discuss whatever, <laughs> right? It is what it is. And obviously, we always have a business focus, and it's always going to be, I always say, I'm trying to uh, present Christ in a different light, right? Like, in, in a, in a non-necessarily religious, but you could feel his love, his glory, his power, and his divine truth. So, you know, we always try to do that. Uh, we got 2024. I'm, I'm recording for it now. I've already got a couple episodes for January. I already preloaded. It's going down, man. And right now, I'm pretty, you know, pretty much just covering sports and, and, and entertainment and, you know, trying to get some laughs for the holidays. So, look, come over to CVMK, literally four letters, one word, YouTube. I'll see you there. 
Okay. And guys, by the way, he thinks that Baby Boy should be an Academy Award winner. So it should be. And he will fight you to the end for that. And that's actually one of his episodes. And I needed to check it out so I can argue with him if it is or not. And that would be something on what it is. It is what it is. So. <laughs> but anyways, um, so let's go ahead. Let's not, uh, So now we're going to go into this. So dive into the iconic world of finance with our Upnorsis review of the classic comedy Trading Places. Join us as we dissect the hilarity of Wall Street antics. Expose the adultery of trading strategies and discover of, of comedy about comedians uh, can teach us a thing or two about the market. Buckle up for laughs, insights, and a wild ride through the trading floor like you've never seen before. Spoiler alert, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd aren't the only ones making a killing in this market. So, put that all out of the way. We're going to go on ahead and do this scene by scene. But before we do that, too... I want to know where did you see this movie at when you, uh, if you don't mind me asking. I think my I think my dad showed me this film. I think I was like a kid, and you know, my dad loved comedy movies, and you know, his favorite comedian was Richard Pryor, but his second favorite comedian is Eddie Murphy. Uh, so, you know, he I think I was just watching it with him, and it's like Trading Places was a classic, iconic film. Um, I might have been like 12 when I saw it, probably a little underage before I should have watched it. But, you know, it's it's an all-time great. It's a it's a time piece, and you have to appreciate it for the time that it was made in. Most definitely. So, you know what, man? I remember my mom letting me watch this on TV. It was on mm-hmm. TNT or TBS. It was edited. Yeah. So, basically, I didn't know about boobs going all over the place. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. All I knew was Eddie Murphy was in this, Dan Aykroyd, who played in Ghostbusters, is, is in this movie. Yeah. And that's all I cared about. And yeah. I, I was rolling on the floor laughing, just having a good time. Have complete blinders on what this movie was about. I didn't understand a damn thing about Wall Street or anything. And I was still confused even at age 15 of what Wall Street is. So, you know, now I have a more understanding. I'm an adult now. I actually am re- viewing this from adult lenses. Yeah. So it makes me appreciate this film a lot more. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, Trading Places was a crack at corporate America and how uh, traditional and, and non-diverse. And that's really the gist of it, right? It tackles corporate America from an ethnic, from a racial lens, from a gender lens, from a class lens. And that's really the whole tug of war that's going on in the movie. Obviously, they're throwing a lot of elements that you'd be like, what? You know, I mean, Eddie getting arrested. I mean, <laughs> being up in jail, the whole, you know, homeless uh, impersonation, which is hilarious if you watch the beginning. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> it's, it's comedy and how comedy unfolds through a lot of ugly truths or, or farcities of life. Exactly. So, brothers Randolph and Monomer Duke own a yeah. uh, Komodo's uh, book uh, bookridge firm. Duke right. and Duke uh, community brokers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, holding opposing views on the issues of nature versus nature. They make a wager and agree to conduct an experiment switching the lives of two people and opposite sides of the social arrangement and observing the results. They witness an encounter between their managing 
director. The wall man, uh, well manager uh, and educated Louis Winthrop III engaged to the Duke's grandniece, Penelope, and a poor street hustler named Billy Ray Valentine. Valentine is arrested at Winthrop's insistence because of a suspected robbery attempt. The Dukes decide to use the two men for their experiment. And, you know, I remember watching this for the first time, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. I always thought it started off with Eddie Murphy as the poor beggar, and then yeah. it goes into Dan Aykroyd. But, no, it introduces you to Dan Aykroyd first. Right. And he's this Wall Street type. He's very—he has his self together. You know what I mean? He's got the perfect everything. He's got the perfect house. He's got the perfect wife. He has the perfect—everything about this guy, he has everything. And a man who has everything, he doesn't need anything. And I really like the opening to this because it's a different way of actually singing Dan Aykroyd. He's very snobbish. Yeah. He's a douchebag. You don't like his character. <laughs> and do and basically, I was just thinking of this, okay? So you know how when um, we're gonna talk about this when Eddie Murphy goes into a Dan Aykroyd's place. Right. But you know how they said, Well, this is your house. Everything in here is yours. Right. No, it's not. That place is actually owned by Duke and Duke. So not even Dan Aykroyd actually owns anything in that house. Yeah. Or anything either. So yeah. basically they're using even then you're he's they're using Winthrop because of course of his brains right. and everything. And they he can't even see that because he's so in denial about who he is to the point where he's like the all-star of the best of the Wall Street market. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I it's it's the creation of uh of what I would say fake enemies, right? And on one hand, you have Dan Aykroyd who believes he has pulled himself up by his bootstraps, but the reality is the stage has been set for him and he really hasn't accomplished what he thinks he has. And it's, it's, a, it's the true definition of privilege. Like that, that movie, that setting is privilege in all of his grandeur. And then you have Eddie Murphy's character, Billy Ray Valentine, who who is, you know, a hustler who is on the streets, you know, making up stories for money and and swindling and all these kind of, you know, illegal activities to really survive. Not because he's a bad person, but he's trying to just survive. He's in the slums. He's in the slums. And then you have uh, Randolph (laughs) and Mortimer. And then you have the brothers. who really are in control of both fates. And there's a callousness toward both of them because they believe they can make the ship turn any way they want to, right? And this is why I said, like, it's really not, you know, uh, a color thing. It's not a white, black. It's it, it's a those that have versus them that think they have versus them that do not have. And right. playing each other based off these kind of scenarios. And honestly, it's it's a bit genius if we want to be frank. Right. And right. like you said, and I think Dan Aykroyd doesn't get enough credit for the job he did in acting in this movie. No, he doesn't. And the thing that I have to laugh my butt off at is the fact that these two brothers, Duke and Duke reminds me of the Muppets, you know, the old two old men yeah. on the Muppet show. Yeah. That's what they remind me of. Yeah. And, and they don't care about anything other than making money. And right. even he's like, even Winthrop, whenever Winthrop said, I would not go ahead and sell right now. I right. would wait until that reaches a certain amount, then you sell. And the other brother's like, no, we need to go on hand and sell now. I'm telling you, we need to sell now. 
goes the other big brother no 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 let's just settle down and everything i trust winthrop he's gonna come through for us right and you know he winds up coming through just like he does always does and you know and then you have like you said eddie murphy who's actually on the outside looking into these rich people though too trying to basically he wants what they have but also trying to survive at the same time because it's also the holidays and my favorite thing he does is he's actually playing this crippled guy who yeah. who, who he said that he ended up being in vietnam or oh, yeah, vietnam yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's supposed to be blind he has no legs supposedly he's on this little wooden thing I remember that. he's like it's a miracle <laughs> ah, yeah. oh thank you jesus thank you oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a hilarious scene. It's... And then my other favorite scene he says is he's just trying to hit on this one woman. He goes, once you've had a man with no legs, you never go back. Eddie, look, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy might be the GOAT for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons I think Eddie is where he is and why his kind of status gets unchallenged, Eddie came during a time where you still had a lot of the old guard and he broke through, right? Like he, he, you could say whatever he was in a movie with some top notch, uh, actors of their time from, uh, Donna Michi, right. Who plays Mortimer to Ralph Bellamy. I mean, these are not, I know when you look back, you're like, who are these people? But these are what we would call Hollywood A-listers. Right? right, Jamie Lee exactly. Curtis is the daughter of the famous Tony Lee Curtis, and this is Jamie Lee in her prime. Right, this isn't Halloween Jamie. Right? This is before Not- True Lies, Jamie Jamie right. Lee Curtis. Exactly, exactly. So you're talking about the rise of a phenom, the daughter of the famous Tony Lee Curtis, and all these A-list actors. And Eddie is this element that is explosive, dynamic, and, un- mm-hmm. and you know, just oddly different. Uh, something else that you know, I'm sure we're gonna get into it. What you think or who you think is like criminal is actually good, and who you think is right. good is actually criminal because Mortimer's riches they were buying tips, they were literally swindling the market. You could not right. do that now because it's so digital AI driven, but they were literally influencing the price of commodities of stock trades because they had insider trade knowledge, which is a felony. It is. <laughs> no. Right, which is a felony, you know. But because it was done as a white-collar crime, you think in the beginning they're the good guys. At the same time, though, I could see them being snobby, though, too. But one brother's hot-headed, and the other brother's kind of level-headed to where you can actually level with him a little bit and and stuff like that, too. So if I had to do business with one of the Dukes, it would be the other brother that's more level-headed. Oh, the older one, yeah. The taller yeah. one, yeah. It's like, just relax, Winthrop. Just just relax. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> It'll be fine. No, we got to do it now. We got to do it now. No, just relax. I, I can actually do wow. business with him. But they make a bet, a wager on the experiment, and they do it for a dollar. For a dollar. Yeah, it's a little ignorant when you see it, a dollar. He was like, all right, pay up. <laughs> but that's how the rich stay rich. Right. That's how the rich stay <laughs> Yeah, that, movie, that have, movie is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have that other part where Eddie Murphy bangs into Winthrop yeah. and he, he knocks him over. He picks up his briefcase and he goes, hey, look, man, I'm sorry I didn't mean to bang, bang into you because at this time the po- police are over there right. basically just trying to pick him up because at, at that point he's like, uh, they caught on to his hustle. 
Yeah. He's like, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Hallelujah. I, it's a miracle. <laughs> and he, it, the little uh, blanket comes dropping over him. He starts, he has his legs back. Right. And he can see. <laughs> he goes, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so then after that, he starts walking. And he sees the other cop and he starts running. And then he bangs into Winslow. Right. And he's like, look, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bang into you. My bad. Here's your briefcase back. And the first thing that Winthrop does is, whoa, don't don't hurt me or anything. I Here, take the briefcase if you want. Man, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm just trying to give you back your briefcase. Right. <laughs> Next thing you know, it, there's this whole entire police chase that happens inside his club. But I'll let you talk about that. <laughs> so the, the police chase is... The police chase now would be... It, it's one of those mo- scenes that is like... It would be really, it would be cast, like, it'd be castigated. It, it would really be like, you could not reenact that scene only because, like, it tropes or plays upon so many different tropes. An hilarious scene. And Eddie is, you know, being chased through this kind of like good old boys club, right? I mean, they have their private meeting room, they have the portraits everywhere, they all have their butlers and whatnot. And what's crazy is that they all have private computers in the early or mid 1980s, which is a little kind of ahead of its time. So the technology, the technological aspect is a little, is a little grand. Like, it's like, wow, you know, this stuff existed even then. Uh, but, you know, when they frame him or when he's, he's caught in jail, the funny part is there's like this, I don't want to say gas, but they're like, see, he's the bad guy. Right. right, right. Like there's right. there's a lot of tension in that scene. It just gets overlooked because Eddie's so funny. Right. right. And then all we know is that, you know, Eddie's in a jail cell uh with I, I have to go back and this has got some famous actors in that jail like just a you know, Jim I didn't realize that. Yeah. I so I was like, whoa, you know, like maybe I didn't I just didn't recognize it, you know, but this is where it all begins. <laughs> right. And then there's also that other thing too, is where you have the two brothers is like um, because man, he looks at him and goes, Man, I don't even know what's going on or anything like that. I tried getting a bag in his briefcase, mm-hmm. and then you see that scene. And then, of course, you see that scene where Eddie's inside the jail cell. We ha- where Valentine's inside the jail cell. And he goes, Man, I went on ahead, I beat everybody up, I ended up <laughs> Bruce Lee in them, I took karate. <laughs> One of the guys says, Man, you were crying in here like a little punk. Yeah. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that's from the from the spray, from them spraying my eyes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you what I know. <laughs> classic. That's really where the film picks up. That's a classic scene. But then you also have, too, where Winthrop and his girl, his fiance is having dinner. Yep. And she's like, man, I never, you did so good over there just crying and letting them take over. Letting the police take over. I'm like, what? <laughs> and this girl has this dude's back. It's like he—he's a coward. But she goes, "Man, you did a fantastic job, just cowering over there and crying and letting them take over uh, the scene and everything. You did a good job." Because I want you. <laughs> like it's—it's it's the eighty—it's the eighties in full splendor. I mean, they made fun of so many different. Uh, yeah, just like things, and you don't really catch it. You're watching like what you know, so. <laughs> It's the 80s, but what I like about that scene is it kicks off the bet, right? Yeah. Between the two brothers. And then kind of the 
the scheming that goes on to, you know, even paying like Jamie Lee, like it's just, it's one <laughs> spiral, you know, that kind of happens. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> I've always wondered. So I made a status and I said, do billionaires get bored? And this is why I think this movie kind of sparks <laughs> it. What would make you say, hey, look, I bet we could take somebody from different side of the tracks give them the same setup and they'll be just as successful. And that's an hilarious bet to you. It, it, that is because these are two rich people that are bored with their lives, have nothing better to do. Yep. Get $1 because if they lose, they have nothing to lose anyways because they have over a trillion dollars anyways. So they're not losing anything by doing the $1 bet because they think, okay, well, we'll just settle over a dollar because we don't have to worry about anything. Lose a dollar, we still have a billion left. Exactly, exactly. And... You know, every single time I think of the start market, I always think of this movie every single time. It's one of, okay, even if it's not the first, it's one of the- As in 87. So this was in 83, so this came out before Wall Street. Okay, so Trading Places is really one of the first movies to take a crack at the lifestyle of the rich and shameless on Wall Street, right? And even though obviously it's a farce, it really kind of highlights that there's this, you know- economic upper class that you might not be fully aware that you know wear these you know thousand dollar suits and they all have private butlers uh because they make their living off of you know day trading right so it introduced i think day trading and and wall street banking to um the general public that unless you were like going to dartmouth or you know an ivy league school you know you weren't going into day trading right so Not in the 80s. Like now, you know, you got Robin Hood app. But we're talking about 1984. So shooting it in 82, you know, internet isn't a thing yet. No. You're keeping an eye on it on your iPhone is not a thing. You have to keep track of it through newspapers. Right. Through the New York Times. CDs aren't a thing. You have Walkman cassette tapes. And, you know... I think introducing this lifestyle kind of made people raise their eyebrows to like, huh? Right. And this, and the reality of this, this section of society has always been there. Right. So scene two, Winthrop is framed as a thief, drug dealer, and yeah. uh, also pedal, uh, also fill in an by Clarence Beeks, a man on the Dukes. Now this is also another thing I want to mention too, is because remember I uh, remember whenever Winthrop winds up asking the Dukes, who is this person? He goes, oh, he's doing some top secret stuff and everything. Um, I'll go on ahead and take care of that. And at yeah. first I'm thinking, because it's been a long time since I've seen it, I'm like, they're embezzling money. They're just making up a false name and basically just grab more money. That was my first initial thought, because I forgot all about this other guy. Too. He So it's a, it's an under, it's a private... Uh, law detective officer that is on the payroll of Duke and Duke, right? And right. whatever they need him to do, that's what he does. You know, from, you know, stock, commodity, private prices to setting up people with, you know, illegal substances and contraband. And they set up uh, Dan Aykroyd's character. And it's totally, it's it's the worst setup. Because I think he was like, they just put something in his jacket, right? Like it's, right, like he bumped it, into some um, person on the street. Yeah. And then it, it, was, yeah. Just, it was just, it's terrible. It's it's so terrible that it's funny what he gets framed for. And then he gets, you know, has to go to jail. He gets beat up in jail. And then you see, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis kind of coming to bail him out. And then right. 
he's kissing Jamie Lee Curtis in front of his fiance, right? So right. Well, it's yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, <laughs> it it wasn't. It's funny, and that's why it works, right? Because it's. Exactly. And I think that's the whole point. It's funny, obviously. Like there was no thought to that sequence, um, but. Yeah, it, it's 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 funny, and that's why it works. That's my final answer. Right. Well, also too, it's like so petty though. It's sixty dollars that yeah. Winthrop supposedly stole from the club that he acted, that he's part of. Right. And they said, "I went. Uh, everybody, clean out your pockets. I went. I ended up witnessing the most horrible, heinous crime that I've ever seen before. I also have a witness to back me up." Every, and someone stole sixty dollars with X with an X on it. I'm like, what? My first thought was, why does it have X's on it? Was it just to see if anybody was going to steal it? Basically. Because you know we've seen that being played out with uh, the Dukes and Dukes with uh, Valentine, where basically they lose he, they accidentally lose their money clip, and they're trying to see if he'll return it. But mm. this one, they're setting up Winthrop as the thief. Yeah, he so, did. I remember that. That's true. That's true. And he was like, hey, here's your money clip. And he threw it right back at him. <laughs> he was like, good one, Randolph. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I believe- <laughs> I'm like, why does it have X's? Like, is there, like, uh, is everybody stealing from you that you have to go ahead and have X's on your money to ch- because y'all are rich. There's no reason why anybody should be stealing from anybody other than the butler that's there. They'll be the only people that would actually steal. Right. <laughs> but it's just so funny. And then and then uh, Winthrop winds up getting arrested for, and getting fired from his job because of this. Gets yep. sent to prison. Then the guy pays him off. The private investigator pays off the cops yep. to search him and makes him strip in front of everybody. He goes, I hope you know where your dignity is because I promise you, you're not going to like what I'm, what's going to happen. You're gonna have to live with this for the rest of your life, and I know my rights. I'm allowed one phone call. Strip. So he strips. Right. You take out his money. There's a weed. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all angel dust. <laughs> he was like, "I've never seen that a day in my life." Hey, yes, hey, that movie. That's what I'm saying. Like it gets, it starts getting wild after that. <laughs> Which makes it funny though, and then you know. He's like, I haven't seen that in day. Like you said, I haven't seen that in day in my life. I don't know where you ta- where this came from. <laughs> and so now he's in jail. He's getting into fights with people. Yeah. And stuff like that. And then Penelope comes over there to try and bail him out. Yeah. And she goes, Renthrop, what? You smell like piss. Da 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 da. I'm like, I would like, no crap, woman. I just. And you got into fights. Well, what the heck do you think was going to happen? It's prison. It's not like the Playboy Mansion where I was just going to go in ahead and nothing's going to happen. You know? <laughs> but then um, then after that happens, because Penelope winds up bailing him out, then you see the PI once again paying off Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jamie Lee Curtis winds up going over there and kissing him because at first... Because I promise, the day of my life, I never done anything. I never sold weed to anybody. I never, I never sold angel dust to anybody. And then Penelope goes, "Okay, I believe you." And they were about to kiss, and then that's when Jamie Lee Curtis comes around and kisses him. Mm. <laughs> and she goes, "Who is this woman? I never seen this woman in my life." <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. So I, I've said this, and then, great, she got an Oscar last year for a movie that. 
you know, she should have got it. She should have had an Oscar 30 years ago. I don't think people realize Jamie Lee Curtis held her own in a time where I think it, particularly for women, you either had to be, you know, the stereotype and kind of, you know, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't be the, like, ah, you know, like the lead lead, you know, and Jamie Lee right. Curtis to me, honestly, when it comes to the cat, the character of Ophelia, she's, she's perfect uh, for it. And I don't think any other actress at that time period could have captured Ophelia better than Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> no, not, not at all. She, she did it. She did her up good. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, even whenever she played in the jerk, she did a fantastic job uh, as Steve Martin's girlfriend in the carnival. She did a really good job in that part too. Yeah, but I like the subtleness of her of the prostitution job that she has, and everything, too. You know who she is, and she's fine with it. And she's fine. And she says, "There's a quote in that movie. Do you? Oh, uh, because he ends up quoting uh, was it Othello? So you, you know, quoted like Shakespeare or something, and like right. she finishes the quote, and he's like, I 'I didn't know you liked, you know, Shakespeare.' And he was like, Do you think I'm stupid because I'm a prostitute? You know, like, and right.'" And she explains to him, she does what she does in order to survive. And it's like, everybody doesn't have it like you. You know, like, there's a, there's some serious moments in that film. And you'd be like, man, you know, you start really kind of having grace for a lot of characters that normally you might kind of scoff at. And you kind of start realizing, like, this stuff is a game. You know, and like, people that are benefiting, it's mm-hmm. not like a good evil. It's more like, you know, how to make people's lives miserable based off of just circumstances that we can all rectify. Right. So exactly. It's a, uh, it is, it, it is an historical time piece that honestly, and I've thought about it, you know, cause right now they're, they're kind of in this habit of recreating great movies. And I would say, I don't know if that's a, to me, it's a lack of genius, but if you were to recreate one movie of the eighties and it could only be one trading places is the only movie. <laughs> that I would because like I didn't like coming to America too. So no, I didn't Disney either. The only movie I would say I would I would watch that. I'd watch a recreation of Trading Places as long as they could pay homage and somehow incorporate Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Eddie Murphy in the film. Right. And I could you know what though? I could see Kevin Hart playing Eddie Murphy's role. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> For some it's reason. almost like Kevin's too old now. It's like maybe right. Kevin 10 years ago. Yeah. But Kevin would be the one. But the problem is Kevin. Here's the other thing. Hollywood is mix, is missing the next generation of, mm-hmm. of actors and actresses. And you don't have uh, you like you don't have another Tom Hanks. No. You know, you don't have another Brad Pitt. You don't have another Denzel Washington. And the problem and the reason why we keep seeing the same actors and actresses is because that's we have a limited pool. We have a limited supply now. Right. Like, so we got to see, you know, Chris Evans play every superhero because we have they haven't, you know, farmed and, and cultivated another. <laughs> no, another because hero. It's all it is is just right. keep on doing the same things, same schnick. That's it. That's it. You know, so like with trading places, like I, I think about it even today, who could you get to play Dan Aykroyd's character? I mean, 
Stephen Carroll, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I, yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah, but not now. You know? I, you know what, though? I could see Bradley Cooper. He's not fuck. I like Bradley Cooper. Amazing, talented, but he's not like quirky enough. True. Yeah. It, Brad, uh, Bradley Cooper would take away, he, he, he'd do more damage. <laughs> so, uh, another thing I want to mention is this, okay? So, and the other thing that they do after all that happens, uh, he tells, uh, he winds up telling Jamie Lee Curtis, hey, look, I'm rich. I promise you, we'll go ahead. We'll go over to my cat. Oh, oh, yes. I, have a, yes. I, have a, I have a mansion. I have a Mercedes. I have a driver. We're going to be good. I'll give you yeah. money. And on top of everything else, she goes, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. While that's going on and everything, we have Eddie Murphy coming into this deal now. So we're going to get into this. This is, um, so after that happens, a man on the Duke's payroll, Winthrop is fired from Duke and Duke. His bank accounts are frozen. He isn't denied entry into the Duke owned home, own home. And he's very, vilified by Penelope and his friends. He befriends Ophelia, a prostitute who helps him in exchange for financial reward once he uh, is extra-rated. Uh, uh, the Duke's post-bill for Valentine inst- install him in Winthrop's farmer job and grants him use of Winthrop's home. Valentine becomes well-versed in the business, using his street smarts to achieve success and begin to act in a well-mannered way. Yeah. And I like how everybody pretends that they don't know Winthrop. There's this whole entire thing either. You have the butler who does who despises him, who doesn't like Winthrop. Right. Or anything. And especially whenever he made him throw away the dessert whenever Penel uh, when his fiance was telling him that he wanted him, he just throws it away. But he's in on this game too with the Dukes, because that's actually their butler. Right. So he wants so the butler's in on it. He goes, I'm sorry, sir. I do not know who you are. He goes, <laughs> and he goes, Yes, you do. You know who I am. Let me up. And his keys are not working. He yells at him and stuff like that. And I like um when Eddie gets picked up, it's a whole different ball game whenever he gets picked up. Yes. I'll let you talk about that. So when so when Eddie gets introduced to Bullard, he basically almost tries to fire oh, the butler. Duke and Duke. Oh, yeah. with the Duke. So when he gets picked up and they're trying to tell him, you know, this is yours, you know, and he's in the house and he's like, oh, this is mine. He's like, <laughs> every last bit of it. So if I knock this vase over right now, it wouldn't matter. It's mine. I could break it. He was like, it's yours. Bow! And it, <laughs> it, you just see like his face. And Ralph is like, you know what? We had that vase insured for, I, I was like, $15,000. Right. He just made us $10,000. <laughs> so you know it's it's um it is <laughs> that scene is funny but it's also a, it's an introduction to not just how different life can be but how easy it is to become whatever that situation allows you to become because mm-hmm. at first he gets there, he throws his party, all the people he met from jail, everybody he knew from around the way. And he really gets like turned off by the party, you know, people making loud noises, you know, stealing his stuff, taking advantage of his kind of hospitality, kicks everybody out. And you having know, sex in his bedroom. Yeah. Like he's really just like, like disgusted by it. But there's almost this, 
I'm better than that now, right? Like it starts right. to you start to kind of see the change in Eddie, and then when he you know goes to to work and he's learning, uh, you know the kind of the the world of stockbrokering, it, it shows you that sometimes we think, you know, you need a degree and all this other stuff. You just need to be placed in the right environment. Human beings are very smart and very capable of adapting. And he adapts very, very, very well. I mean, to the point he shocks both brothers on how well he's kind of, you know, coming to his new life. He's super quick. You know, he's super quick. <laughs> and, and you know, I it, that's when it starts to kind of rub people the wrong way. But he's also right. very, because he's from the street, he knows he's like, something's not right. Why would these two guys take, you know, a chance on me? And that's where he sees that his biggest ally is the butler. Because the reality is, the butler isn't rich, right? The butler yeah. is 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 an employee just like He's Coleman. Him. Yeah. Right. And he knows like if I can get to the butler, the butler can start talking to me, you know, telling me what's really going on here. I can get to the bottom of this. And I think when he comes in contact again with Dan at the restaurant, he kind of sees like Dan Ackroyd like strung, you know, not like strung out, but just on on his, you know, on last leg. And he sees basically where he was at in life. He realizes you two, you know, have tried to play us against each other, right? And then that's to me the ingeniousness of Dan Aykroyd and and Eddie in this movie is how they and the dynamic between yes, them because they, they realize <laughs> later on that they're not enemies because the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Right. No, well but, said. Thank you. But you know what though? You're right though because I was thinking this whole thing though too is like you get, at first Eddie is this guy who doesn't have anything. Right. And he gets sucked in this world. And he's over there. Can't believe it. He's like, hey, guys, while you're over there, look at look at those drapes over there. Look at the drapes. And he starts putting the whole entire cigar box. Yeah. In his in his thing, because he doesn't realize it. It doesn't dawn on him because it's something new. It's something different that he's not used to or accustomed to yeah. because it's, he's, it's different and everything. He does not know how to accept it. And then while after that happens, like you said, he meets up with all the guys at the bar up from the jail cell. He meets up with all the other people that he used to hang with. And mm -hmm. he doesn't he doesn't know them other than what's inside the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. So until they get to the party. So, you know, once you get into the party scene, it's like, oh, OK, well, I like them over in the in the bar scene. But, you know, I don't want to take them home with me. Right. right <laughs> you know, right. you stay over there. I'll stay over here. We don't go in between. But he has to, he just sounds just like Winthrop. And it's just how quick and jaded he is to this whole entire thing, like you said. He winds up doing this whole entire 360 where to the point where he forgot where he came from. And just like how we would actually forget where we came from if we were in that kind of situation. Yeah. I definitely like that. And yeah. no, go ahead. you know, and, and even when Coleman drops him off over at the workplace over at the Dukes, he goes, Coleman, yes, sir. Uh what is it that I do here? Just, I don't know, sir. <laughs> and he's like, well, what if I can't do what they want me to do? What happens to me? And at that point, you're right. It's like, do I end up like uh, Winthrop? And they find somebody else to do this bidding thing. That's not going through his mind, but that's what I was thinking. Do they just go off and find somebody else to do this too for a dollar mm -hmm. later on and just get some other guy to do this? But they totally go on ahead. They teach him everything with the ice orange juice, everything, and just coach him. 
And like you said, with we're going to go on ahead. We'll talk about that whole entire deal, too, where Dan Aykroyd is down on his outs and everything. He's a drunk Santa. He is a drunk Santa, which is pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a drunk Santa in this movie. And he's trying. He sold his watch to yeah. get, uh, to get a gun. To oh, yeah, to rob the restaurant, time. right? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a wild scene of that thing. It is, <laughs> but I know that I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But you know, it's I, I just love how the transformations go within this movie. It has so much layers to it. But you know. He was quick to learn from the Dukes. He winds up transforming into the guy that he doesn't never want doesn't want to be. Right. They plot to return. And now this is another thing. During the firm's Christmas party, Winthrop plants drugs in Valentine's desk, attempting to frame him and uh brandishes the gun to escape. Later, the Dukes discuss their experiment and settle the wager for one dollar. They plot to return Valentine on the streets, but have no intentions of taking back Winthrop. Valentine overhears the conversation and seeks out Winthrop, who has attempted suicide by overdosing on pills. Valentine, on Ophelia, and Winthrop's butler. Coleman nurse him back to health and inform him of the experiment. Watching TV news broadcasts, they learn that Beeks is transporting a secret United States Department of Agriculture USDA report on orange uh, crop forecasts. No, that that turn... So that turn of events uh, from overhearing the conversation and I'm glad, even though it's a very, it's a, it's a very disgusting conversation, but when Eddie overhears it, it, it reaffirms everything he already knew about how they felt. Right. So what it allows for is the, the, the cover to be taken away. And I think sometimes, you know, and maybe this is a, a shot at, society or whatever but is it really designed to allow people to really you know work hard and prosper and you know good people to really make it in life or are or is it a system that is set up to keep people at war with each other while the rich just prosper and ultimately and they use whatever mechanism if it's violence if it's poverty if it's uh you know race whatever thing becomes a weapon to them right so it's it's a powerful scene, and I think you know the way Eddie responds and and tracks this guy down, uh, and and basically tells the whole story uh, to Ophelia. But their their sequence, first of all, I, I think to understand, as you mentioned, that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, to want to go find him, to bring him back to where he actually belongs. And he wants to kill you, right? <laughs> Even though he tried to kill you and set you up. <laughs> To forgive him and now come up with this elaborate scheme on getting the brothers back, right? Right. And they pull it off, which is which is wild. You know, they they pull it off. Um, The most hilarious thing, though, is this too. Winthrop is over there loading up shotguns, and then you have uh, Valentine going, you know, that that's not going to work, right? You you're going to go and you're going to go to jail for killing people now. Yeah. But it, you, were, you were innocent, but now you're right. turning yourself into something that they want you to become. Right. And I think that's the that's the whole thing of it all. Right. Like eventually. And I, and I think it, it says something to us like, you know, sometimes, you know, there are there are people with bad intentions. There are some real losers out there. 
But a lot of it is circumstance. And I think if you're in a terrible circumstance for too long, it can get the best of you. And it got the best of him, you know, and it took somebody who was in that similar circumstance to kind of say, hey, look, you know, there there is hope for tomorrow. Right. We can we can get out of this. And I also think him realizing that Jamie Lee's character was the girl that he really wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like when you start looking back, like that's the girl that you need. Right. I think really kind of smoothed things out, you know, for, for Dan Mm -hmm. Aykroyd. And look, the, the, what they did to get it back definitely can't be recreated. They they went to some scenes, right. They went to some scenes. I was like, yeah, that would, that would fly. (laughs) You know, but I want to, I want to piggyback off of you for a minute for something that you said, because, okay. He had the girl, he had the perfect girl, perfect fit. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Because the rich people, that's who that's normal for them. Right. To see someone like Jamie Lee Curtis is despicable. Yeah. And he saw her in a whole new light after she wound up taking care of him yeah. with pneumonia. Like he had a cold. She took yeah. care of him. She got naked and everything. And she also said everything has a price, including this. And she slams the door on him whenever she first enters. And then she starts falling for him a little bit, I think. Yeah. Once she sees what he's going through and realizes, okay, this is more than just money. This is something that I need to help him with. But then I like the other thing that you mentioned as well, where now it's these two players in town now that has to take down the Dukes right. and they pull it off by wiretapping uh, the phone lines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, hey, the way they pulled it off, first of all, they set off the, the detective, which was, they, they got him. And uh, to, to switch the numbers so that they ended up bankrupt. Oh, my right. goodness. Wow. They took their savings and the little bit of money that they had and put it all on that stock. Like that was, that was, was genius. They, the reason why there's a lot of reasons why you couldn't do that scene, not just technically, but also it wouldn't mirror real life because these aren't set on standard prices like that anymore. But no, it's it's a it's a it's a perfect ending to the fact that if people decide to put away their differences and realize they have a lot more in common and fight for that commonality, you can overthrow the system. And that's exactly, what that's what it's about. And they find themselves, you know, on an Island, you know, <laughs> together, uh, enjoying life, you know, enjoying the good life. So hey, trading places, if you, if you had to remake it, if there was one eighties movie that had to be remade, it'd be trading places. I think you could do it. I think that there is a way to do it, but oh, man, there's just so many good parts in this. Uh, Eddie Murphy coming in with the Jamaican thing, and yeah. him and, the, and Dan Aykroyd pretending yeah. he's from Jamaica. He goes, yeah, man, I'm from Jamaica. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna do this, man. Hey, and, Dan, 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 yes, that old, <laughs> hey, yes, Dan and that it's funny, but you gotta you gotta really look back like now. You'd be like, nah, ain't gonna no, man, that no, no, no. But Eddie, 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 I think like it's hard. You know, a, a timepiece. Uh, and I always say like if if and I said this earlier before we started. I said if art imitates life, right? And life 
can be ugly, you have to demonstrate it in its ugliness somehow. And that that piece, even the ending, like all that, what they had to do, which you know, I, you know, I, you know, whatever, right. you know, it, well, it, it can still be the the point of it all was for them to do the right thing. Yes, they did some things that didn't make sense and was a little scathing, but ultimately it got the ones who were really responsible for the tragedy, which were the right. The, the, the thing that made me laugh though too was when you have the two dukes over there trying to get the other guy to go right. down there to overbid them. Yes. And and then once everything is over with, you know, and Eddie and them are going, oh, look, it's the Dukes. Oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, we needed a, how much did you say that that life is worth? A dollar? Oh, look. Oh, yeah, a dollar. <laughs> He's like, here you go. <laughs> a dollar. dollar. <laughs> and so the other Duke has a heart attack. The other Duke right. wants to, he goes, look, your brother just had a heart attack. F my brother. Turn on the machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at this point, they're bankrupt. They're now out on the streets, just like how you know Winthrop was. Like you mentioned, they're on the beat. They're having the good life now. And then you also have the the sneak. You know, the person they have for the PI. He's in a jail cage with uh, an ape because he right. had, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, ape they the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene didn't make any sense. But this is what I'm saying. Even in that. The movie, the geniusness of writing. So in the 80s, well, not just the 80s, let's say up until like Rocky, movies didn't make sequels. They didn't, no. they definitely didn't do like the Fast and Furious and they're on number whatever, 12, 14, 15. I lost count. Yeah, I lost count. So you have that ending. Then when Coming to America comes out, you have the the brothers in the movie. And when uh, Prince Hakeem throws him that like thousand dollars, and he turns to Robin and says, "Mortimer, we're back." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, I, and I know they were supposed to film a Training Place too, but I think I think uh, the guy that plays Ralph ended up dying. Like the yeah, movie. he did. Yeah. So but you know what though, man, yeah. I'm th- th- Eddie Murphy did a, a shared universe before Adam Sandler ever did a shared universe. He did do a shared universe, and that's that's you know before we even knew what a shared universe meant, you know, so. It it is it is a it is a shout out to the creativity of the writers. It's also a shout out to how genius Eddie Murphy is as a comic, mm-hmm. uh, and really his movies, man. When you look at the film repertoire, when you look at every actor's like film credits, you're gonna have to sit there and be like, you know, if you had to put five names, and these are the five names you got to go with for the next thousand years, Eddie Murphy makes the list. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. like. I don't know if Brad Pitt makes the list, but Eddie Murphy makes the list, right? Tom Hanks makes the list. Uh, I would put Brad up on there, though, just for the simple fact of the things that he's done and accomplished. Yeah. I mean... Somebody's got to go. He, if we, and maybe that's the next episode. If you got to get five of all time, the five, the, the goats of Hollywood. I mean, I've heard, I've heard people argue that Marlon Brando might be the greatest actor of all time based off of just, you know, like a Oscar, uh, film called, or street card called Desire and, you know, right before Godfather. The Godfather, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, that's, that's hard. That's something that's that we hard. have to do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that's, that we got to do. I'd have to research that because you'd have to come up with five names that trumps all. That's, that's going to be Well, be next week, I'm actually doing another show next week called Top 5 Movie Openings. Top 5 Movie Openings of All Time. Hmm. 
Hey, I know which one. Scary well, movie. Top five scenes of all time. Oh, top five go. scenes of all time? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, I can do With that. any I... movie genre, you have to name top five movies. You could do, man, The Godfather has so many scenes. There's, there's a lot. There's the. Yeah. I'm not dropping. I'm not going with my generic. I'm not going with my go-to. I'm gonna do something a little different. All right. But that's what I'm doing next week. But dude, this this was so much fun, and I just want to mention this. This budget only had 15 million dollars, right? Right. You want to know how much the movie made at how the much? box office? 90 million four hundred four thousand eight hundred dollars. And that's in the 80s. The 80s. Success. That's pretty good. Success, man. Success. But, uh, Ferna, man, it's always fun to have you here. No problem. To do this review. I know that this is kind of a little bit long-winded and stuff like Good. that, but I'll, I I don't want to leave. I don't want you to leave. That's the thing. Ah, <laughs> I don't want you to leave. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but any, anytime, anytime you need me on the show, man, you know, look, if you want to jump on tomorrow's, uh, doing two episodes, but the second episode, uh what's it 9 p.m we are just we are covering we are covering boomerang all the boomerang <laughs> so it is another eddie murphy is another eddie murphy feature but it's going to be all dedicated to boomerang from start to finish oh nice so if you want to jump on let me know man i'll send you the invite <laughs> but speaking of my show and everything too uh yeah. rossi and i are doing this new segment called intermission and basically think of intermission as this for two people waiting in line for our movie to start, or you have watching a Martin Scorsese movie and it's long as hell. And therefore, they have to cut it to an intermission. So you guys are having conversations. That might be about the Vince Sevenfold album. It might be about, um, let's say, for instance, uh, why do we love gangster movies, which is dropping tomorrow morning. Um, so this is actually a little bit of a conversation piece. So tomorrow we are reviewing Saw X. So this is going to be a short episode. We're not doing scene by scene. This is a non-spoiler review. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. As a matter of fact, we actually have a Patreon. Now, it's a $5 tier for the intermission episodes that we're going to do. I'm going to be dropping um, one next week. On matter of fact, this is going to be on every Wednesday. We're dropping an intermission episode for audio only. And it's going to be part of the intermissions. I'm only dropping it on YouTube for a limited time. And then after that, you have to go on ahead and jump over to the Patreon to get your stuff. But yeah, that's what I'm doing over here at Movie Love Vision Night. And uh, thanks again, man. I do appreciate this as always. I can't wait to do another review with you. We're doing Home Alone with Tamika coming up on Wednesday. So hey. I can't wait to dive into that at 8 o'clock to 7, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Hey, hey, I'll jump on home alone. I'm available. I think hey, I have come on down, man. Seriously. Hey, <laughs> I like, you know, Colin McCogan just got a star, man. So, you know. Perfect time? Perfect time. It is perfect time <laughs> to, to do the film review. <laughs> but anyways, guys, have a great and safe night. We'll, get, we'll catch you guys on the next one. And stay tuned tomorrow morning because I am dropping my Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer reaction that I'm doing. So always until next time, guys, have a great and safe night. And bye-bye. <laughs>